Romans chapter number two. I want to say thank you to uh, everyone. I, I don't know that I did last week, but I want to say thank you to everyone that was able to come out to the revival uh, any night, um, any day. Thank you for coming and, and supporting uh, the meeting. Also, thank you for coming Saturday and having a part. Those of you that were here Saturday and had a good, had a part of the vac vacation Bible school and those of you that gave, those of you that gave prizes and things for the kids, the kids really seemed to enjoy it, and uh, it was a great day, and I'm glad that you were there and had a part. Anyways, I just wanted to say that. Thank you so much. You got your Bibles open to Romans chapter number two, Romans chapter number two. We're going to start there, and I've got some other scriptures to read, but as we get a hold of what takes place here... <laughs> chapter number one, we see the unrighteousness of man. Paul describes to us how unrighteous man is. Gives a good description of verses number, uh, like verses 18 through 32, begin to tell us how far we are from God, how far we've fallen from God. And then chapter number two begins, us, begins to tell us the self-righteousness of man, how man has become self-righteous, better than thou. I, I see this story as a self-righteousness of man is the story of the man on the top of the hill who's got everything going on right and looks at the bottom of the hill and there's this guy that's got everything going wrong. The guy at the top of the hill thinks that he's better than the guy at the bottom of the hill has no desire to help him out. We were talking about in Sunday school about the story of the Good Samaritan. Makes me think of that story immediately. Too many times, Christians think they're better than the person that's over there because we're not over there. But one day in my life, I was over there. And one day, I was at the bottom of the hill and somebody was at the top of the hill trying to get me to come up the top of the hill. Because as I said before, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you stand. It doesn't matter what kind of background you come from or who your parents are or who your parents are not. It doesn't matter any of that. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. The king and I can stand and accept Jesus Christ just the same. No man is better than me and no man is better than you. No matter where you're at today, no matter what sin you are involved in, no matter what things you're going through in your life, not one person in this room is better than you. I'm born again today because somebody looked at the top of the hill and brought me up. Not because somebody stood at the top of the hill and says, look at that character. I thank God for somebody who didn't look down his self-righteous nose at me and say, nope, he can't have it. But he didn't. As we look at this, this is what takes place is the self-righteousness of man. These guys look at each other and one's better than the other. So we're going to read this text here and we'll get there to the sermon. I'll give you three thoughts this morning. So if you will, please stand with me as we read God's word if you can. Romans chapter 2, 
in verse number one. <coughs> the Bible says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest dost the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to the truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that thou judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that, this, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Paul asked them the question, you think that for just one moment that you're better than them because your sin is not the same as their sin, do you not understand that we will all face the judgment of God? That's what Paul says. Verse number four, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not, not knowing the goodness of God, which leadeth thee to repentance, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up thyself wrath against the day of the wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Who will render to every man according to his deeds? Who will? To them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for the glory and the honor and immortality eternal life. But unto them that are contentious, uh, continuous and do not, uh, do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anger upon every soul of man that doeth evil, and of the Jew first and also of the Gentile, but glory, honor and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Verse number 11. For there is no respect of persons with God. God, I thank you for today. <coughs> I pray that you would remove me out of the way. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit of God would use me in spite of me. Give me the words to say, the ability to say it. Lord, I pray that you'd fill my mind with the words to say. Lord, I pray that you'd take away any of the words that you had not said this morning. I thank you for every person that's here. But Lord, I pray if there's one in here today that does not know for sure they're on their way to heaven, I pray that they would get that settled. Please, Lord, help them put away that doubt this morning. And in the strong name of Jesus, we pray. And the name that which is above every name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I'll give you three short points and we'll go to the house. You guys ready for that? Amen to the three points or amen to the go to the house? I'm <laughs> just kidding. So number one, we see three things. As you looked in your bulletin, maybe you did, maybe you did not, but the righteous judgment. Understand that there's a judgment coming. There's a judgment that will come and it is a righteous judgment. And the reason it is a righteous judgment is because God is righteous. Because in him is no darkness, in him is no sin. The Bible says there is none that doeth good, no, not one. And that only one that's never done anything wrong, which is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is our Father, who is creator of the world, who died for our sins, who washed them away. Understand that he has never done and never thought about, never done anything wrong. And so he is the one that doth, know, uh, that doth good. 
and he never has done wrong. And so when he judges us, he can judge us with a righteous judgment because there is nothing in his backyard. There is nothing that he's messed up. He can be righteous in his judgment. So first of all, we see the sin. We see the sin. Verse number one, the Bible says, Therefore art thou inexcusable, O man, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest, uh, thou condemnest thyself, for thou judgest, uh, doest the same things. What does that mean? That means judging, I'm judging other people and refusing to judge myself. Because what happens is, is people begin to point out what's wrong with you and where you've messed up and what's in your backyard and what you're doing wrong rather than looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, I need to correct this and I need to judge myself way before I ever judge somebody else. Now listen, I am not any better than anybody else and neither are you. And so we shouldn't judge one another based on what they do. And well, that person, did you see where they were at Friday night? Did you see what they were doing this weekend? Hey, listen, I'm not better than them and I shouldn't judge them based on that. Because I'm not their judge. I'm not a righteous judge. God is. God is. And I believe... As you look at this text, he begins to tell us this, and it is specifically referring to Romans chapter 1. He is telling them, don't judge about these people because of the way that they're living. And in Romans chapter 1, we discussed what was taking place, is what is taking place today, man with man and woman with woman, and God says that's wrong. And so the Bible says that we're not to judge. We know that it's wrong. We know that it's uh, wicked in the sight of God. So that, that alone has its own judgment. But we should not stand back and say, well, I'm better than them. Look at where they're going. Look at what they're doing. The Bible says to, in, in Matthew chapter uh, 5, I think it is, the Bible says to remove the moat out of your own eye rather than getting it out of somebody else's because no matter where I'm at, no matter what I'm doing, I'm a sinner. At best, I'm a saved sinner. And I have things in my backyard I need to get cleaned up, and so, and so do you. And so quit judging everybody else. Look, look, look at what they're doing. Many times, many times, when you get onto children... Well, sissy did this. Hmm. Well, what does it matter what sissy did? I'm talking to you. Hey, child of God, God's talking to you. Well, you, well, you should have seen what sister so-and-so was wearing. Or what they were doing. And that's where we're at. A lot of times we're so worried about rather looking at ourselves and judging ourselves we want to look at what everybody else is doing. Because my measuring stick isn't anybody in this room. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but it's not you. You're not my measuring stick. It's God. And so where I measure is not up to you. It's up to God. And so I'm not standing here saying, well, did you see what they did? Well, I'm, I'm at least a little bit better than they because I wasn't doing this. It's not what it's about. Judge. Look at yourself. 
Do you know what I do every single morning before I leave my house? I look in the mirror. You know why? Make sure my hair is straight. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't ever have to worry about that. But I'm going to look in the mirror before I walk out of my house. And so do you. And you know what will happen when you look in that mirror? If there's something wrong, guess what you're going to do? You're going to adjust it. Hey, Christian, it's time to get out your mirror and stop looking at everybody else and look at yourself. What, what am I doing? Judge yourself. Judge yourself. You say, why should I judge myself? Because I have sin in my life, and I need to get it out. Quit worrying about what everybody else is doing, because this next point, number two, is the judgment. Because whether I judge myself or I don't judge myself, or whether he takes care of himself and he doesn't take care of himself, it doesn't matter because every one of us face the judgment of God. And so I can either judge myself now so I have less of a judgment when I get to heaven, or I'll stand before God and have the wrath of God against me. That's what it says. Let's read in Romans chapter 2. Let's see what he says. In verse number 2. The Bible says, but we are sure. <laughs> you know that? We are sure. We are sure of this one thing. Do you know what we're sure of? We're sure that the judgment of God is according to the truth. And you know what that truth is? This blessed old book. And so if your life doesn't line up to this book, guess what? You face the judgment of God. The truth. That's one thing I can be sure of. There are not a lot of things in this world you can be for sure about. Well, this is one thing that you can be for sure about. Number one is your salvation. Number two is the judgment of God. That's for sure. He says the sure, the judgment of God is according to the truth. And then he says in verse number three, at the end, he says this, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. Do you think, do you think for just one moment that you're going to escape the judgment of God? Do you think that you're going to escape it? Well, I, 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 won't, I won't face the judgment of God, but I'm sorry, sir. The Bible says in Acts chapter number 4 that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is not going to be one person in this world, one person that lives, one person that breathes, one person that dies that will not stand before a righteous judge and face the judgment of God. Every one of us young and old, will face the judgment of God. You will. Quit worrying about what everybody else is doing. Because when you stand before God, you're not going to stand there and say, well, did you see what they were doing? You're not going to be able to tattletale. You're not going to be able to roll over and get less of a sentence because you're telling on them. You're going to face the full judgment of God. You say, well, I'm a born-again Christian. You still will face a judgment. If you're lost today, you will face the worst judgment in the world. The white throne judgment. As God stands there and calls your name and looks at you and says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I know you not. That would be the scariest judgment of them all. But I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter how rich you are. 
It doesn't matter how poor you are. Girls, stop talking. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. You will all face the judgment of God. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you will stand at that white throne judgment and you can give every excuse in the world why you didn't get saved, why you didn't know for sure you was on your way to heaven. I don't care. The excuse is not going to work. He's going to look you straight in the eye and say, I'm sorry, but depart from me. That's scary. If that doesn't scare you, there's something wrong with you. Because not only will people that will face that are the lost, but guess what? I probably have friends that will face that because they're lost. I have family members that will stand to that white throne judgment because they are lost. I know they are. Because they don't want anything to do with God. They don't want anything to do with Christ. They, don't even, they won't even talk to my family. No, I don't want any part. 18, 18, 19 years ago, my family moved to Arkansas for my dad to pastor. And at that point in time, his brother-in-law looked at him and and we, listen, I've never, I've not talked to him since, my uncle. Because you know what he said? Mm-mm. Nope. One in part. 19 years. Won't have anything to do with it. Won't come to family dinners. Won't come to family gatherings because he don't want to get saved and he don't want any part of Christianity. Unless he quit, unless he turns, he will stand at that white throne judgment. I'm scared for him because there's not one person that will escape that judgment. Not even you. I'm not going to stand at that white throne judgment. I might be standing as a witness of what takes place. But as a Christian, I'll face judgment. The Bible says that he will take our works that we've done on earth and he'll put them in a pile and he'll The Bible says that he'll see what sort it is. What sort are you talking about? Why you did what you did for what reason? Why'd you come to church this morning? Why'd you get up and come here this morning? Why'd you do what you did? He's going to take what you did and light it on fire. And what's left, you'll be able to. The Bible says that there's six building materials. I don't have time to go into all of it. There's wood and hay and stubble and gold and silver and precious stones. And you are building a house. I heard a preacher say this one time. You have to live in the house that you build. When you get to heaven, you can't switch houses with anybody. You can't switch. Hey, man, that guy has more to give to Jesus. Let me, let me take your spot. It'll work like that. Your works. We all face the judgment of God. The judgment of God is sure. The judgment of God is sure. The sin is real. The sin of my sin. Not your sin. But my sin. My sin. (coughs) In verse number 5, the Bible says... And in, uh, uh, unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and the judgment of God. 
And then he says in verse number 11, a very interesting, verse number 8, he says again, wrath. Verse number 11, he says something that's very interesting to me. He says, for there is no respect to persons. When that judgment time comes, he's not going to put the Jews on this side and the Gentiles on this side and judge them differently. Everyone will face the judgment. No respect to persons. Listen, you might be grandma's favorite grandkid, but there is no favorite grandkid with God. Everybody's the same. Everybody's the same. Now, verse number six. The Bible says, a very, as we talk about the judgment of God, I'm about to move forward. Verse number six, the Bible says, who will render to every man according to his what? His deeds. Every deed you do, that's judgment. You'll face the judgment of God for the deeds that you've done. The things that you've done, you will. But not only you, this preacher will too. So number one, we see the, the sin. We see number two, the, the judgment. And then number three, we see the goodness. You say, where do you see the goodness of judgment? Look in verse number four. Look at this. He says, or despisest thou the riches of goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the who? The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. You know what that goodness is? It's not facing the wrath. You say, I thought you just said that we're all going to face judgment. We, we will. But I will not face the wrath of God. You say, what do you mean by that? The wrath of God is hell. And I'm, I won't face that. You say, why? Why won't you face that? Because June 14th, 1998, I got down on my knees. And I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And that secured me a spot where I won't have to face the wrath of God. Will not face the wrath of God. And I'm going to ask you this. Point blank. I want you to look at yourself in the mirror. Ask yourself this question. Do you know that you're going to heaven when you die? Because if you don't, you'll face the wrath. And the Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring. You have no idea what tomorrow may hold. You have no idea what tomorrow, what the future holds for you and your life and your family. You have no idea. So don't walk out these doors not knowing that you're on your way to heaven because there is the truth. There is Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Don't leave here without accepting the goodness of God. Because the Bible says in 2 Peter, chapter number 3, verse number 9, the Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Because here's the deal. It's God wants everyone to come to repentance. God wants everyone to taste at the goodness of God. I'm telling you, I don't want you to taste the wrath of God. I want you to taste the goodness of God. You say, what's the goodness? Is heaven. Amen. That's the goodness of God. That's the greatest thing. As I've said before, don't 
Cry for me when I die because I'm in heaven. Don't have a tear fit for me because I'm in heaven. I'm shouting with the angels in heaven over one sinner that gets saved. Why? Because I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And it's not because of what I did. And it's not because of who I am. And it's not because of what church I attend. It's because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ and the goodness of God. Not because of me. But because the goodness of God. He's too good to me. I don't deserve it. <clears throat> because as I said, no sinner is better than the other. I don't deserve that. Turn your Bibles, if you want to, to Psalms chapter 73. Psalms chapter 73. A psalm of Asaph. He begins to tell something. It's pretty interesting. In verse number 3, the Bible says, For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He said, I was envious of those wicked folks because they were prospering. They were doing well and everything seemed to be going good. I was envious of them. Verse number four. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Look at these guys. Man, look at them. They don't go to church. They don't have any desire to be with God. And look at them. They're, they're, they're prospering. That's what Asaph says. Profound statement he says in verse number 17 as he begins, he describes all that they're doing. The Bible says, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. You know what he just said? He said, they're prospering now. But I went to the sanctuary of God and I found out what their end is. And it's not the same as mine. Their end is not the goodness of God. It's the wrath of God. I want to read a couple more scriptures and I'll be done. Please, please don't refuse the gift of God. Because as I said, it is a gift. A couple different scriptures here in John chapter number 3 and verse 16 the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he that believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God you say, what does that mean? That means if you believe in the name of the Son of God, you are not condemned. God did not come to this world to condemn the world. God did not come to this world to send this world to hell. God did not come to, come to you, come to this world so that you would go to hell. He came to this world so that you would be saved and you would have eternal life with Him in glory. That's what He came for. That all might come to repentance. Bible says in John chapter number five and first John chapter five verse twelve, he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. 
when I tasted of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, I got eternal life. Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse number 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. Over and over, I see a central theme in these verses, is that God has eternal life. And why wouldn't anybody want to partake in that? I'm not for sure why. But I'm here to tell you there are people today that don't want that eternal life. That don't want to taste of that eternal life. They'd rather taste of the wrath of God. I'll read you one more verse and I'm done. John chapter 5 and verse number 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. So here's the plea. Christian, quit worrying about what everybody else is doing. You judge yourself. Because the judgment will come and God will judge you. Your sin, the judgment. And lastly, number three is the goodness of God. Please, please, I'm begging you, don't leave here without the goodness of God. If you're in this room today, and you don't know that you'd go to heaven when you die. Don't leave without the goodness of God. God, I thank you.